Resistor Sisters. Destroying the patriarchy one podcast at a time. I haven't accomplished anything alone, but I was fortunate to be part of a revived feminist movement. I think uh, anyone who's not a feminist is, is an insane person. This was not just a lewd conversation. This wasn't just locker room banter. This was a powerful individual speaking freely and openly about sexually predatory behavior. At a time when we have self-driving cars and computers that sit on your wrist, women still make only 79 cents for every dollar a man makes. And if I have to listen to one more gray-faced man with a $2 haircut explain to me what rape is, I'm gonna lose my mind. And now, Resistor Sisters. Hello, this is the Suze in Cleveland, welcoming you to the 14th episode of Resistor Sisters, and hello, there rain in D.C. Hi, I'm back. Hi. Hi. <laughs> She's back after lots and lots of stuff to do, and of course, yeah, from Minneapolis, from Minneapolis. That's right, Heidi. Oh, that's, that's so sweet. Oh, that's hey, awesome. Is this the first night that Heidi got a jingle? Yeah, it's a I little didn't bit really of a jingle. Make a real jingle it's either that or Fargo, and I, as much as I love Fargo, I must say, I kind of like this one better. I love that jingle. I know. <laughs> Heidi, that's awesome. You. I think we each need a jingle. we got to think yeah, of one for Rain and think of one for Suze. We'll figure it out. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, I, I have enjoyed, apparently, okay, excuse me, the am, my Amber Alert's going off on my phone. That happens. Oh. Even though it's in oh, Athens, no. Ohio. It's in Athens, Ohio. There's no Does way. Does the Amber Alert, is that, that's a child, right? Yeah. yeah. That's, you guys get that, don't you, in D.C.? Yeah. Like, yeah. the Amber yeah, Alert. all the time. Everybody, look for a 2012 Gray Dodge Journey. No, come on. It's Athens, Ohio. It's not near here. But ah. that's nice that they do that. So It is. But yeah, so I, I did some research. This is the second year of after Prince's death, right, Heidi? As, as of uh, April 21st, yes. Yeah, so yeah, that's February was, was Bowie. Yeah, yeah, February was Bowie. That's right. I well, I, I I made poor Heidi listen to all kinds of Morrissey lyrics last week. So. <laughs> that was tough. <laughs> sort of sorry I missed that. <laughs> hey, I'm sort of sorry I missed that because I'm kind of like Morrissey. You're sort of a douche. He nozzle. is kind of a jerk. <laughs> Gosh, I have mixed feelings about it. I shouldn't. I well, here's the thing, and I'm mm -hmm. sure you guys talked about this last week. <laughs> I I like Morrissey's music. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I also like um, Woody Allen's movies. Oh, <sighs> see, <laughs> but okay, well, all right. So, here, here's the deal. Would you see? I would, I would do an album with Morrissey, but I would not be in a Woody Allen movie. Yeah, I agree with I that. I wouldn't because okay. I wouldn't well, support him I, in any you know way. I, after I read all those things and that poor little girl that was, what's her name? Her name is. Um, 
not Dylan. Is it Dylan? Dylan. It is Dylan. Yeah, it Dylan is Dylan. Farrell. Yeah, Dylan, Dylan Farrell. Farrell. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I I I know that's not a popular opinion, but I can't well, walk away from Annie Hall. Yeah. Well, that see, that's the thing. I've watched Annie Hall before any of this happened. Right? That was like in the 70s. Yes. But yeah, that, but his newer stuff, I won't touch. I'm not touching it because there's just a lot well, of good movies out there. Taint. Hmm? Yeah. It's got, it's got pedophile taint. To me, it does. It, to me, it does. So I'm very, I'm really, really mixed about when artists that we love let us down. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I'm that's kind of what very, it was about. I, yeah really mixed about it and i could go back to picasso picasso was a jerk he was a bit of a womanizer oh more than that yes well he really was but i i still love his art and so i won't lie i am Mm -hmm. very conflicted about it yeah yeah for me it was cosby i loved bill cosby it was the first um comedy tour that i saw he was freaking hilarious. Loved him. Loved his show. Uh, Fat Albert, I could take or leave, but you know, loved everything <laughs> I like he did. Fat Albert. You know what? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you, Heidi. One of the first, um, because I'm of your age, we didn't have comedy tapes. We had comedy records. We listened. Yeah. I mean, God love yes. you know. But we we had the Bill Cosby record. And yes. I'm going to tell you, my best friend had that. We listened to it, and there's a part about Spanish Fly in his yes. early albums. And even oh, as a 7- or 10-year-old child, I was like, that's not really right. You know, that's not really... I, I don't like that. Is this something adults do? Use Spanish Fly? Not what right. is that? And this is before the internet, so you didn't know what the heck... But basically, he's talking about, yeah... Yeah, he should have been convicted right there. And this was right. in the That's 70s. Just, yeah. And, and I mean, not to not to excuse, but back in the day, that was accepted. That's what, you know, you know, uh, um, what the heck was that? Is that 50s show I didn't watch? Mid, um, man, whatever the heck it is. The, the one, oh, God, I can't remember. I've watched like six episodes of it and Dave didn't like it. So mm-hmm. I only watched it when he wasn't around. It started with man. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the man show? You know, man, no, the man show? Mid no, mod, man, man. Mod squad? Whatever. The mod squad. No, no, no. It's, the, it's the show that's that's set in like the 50s and it's in, in an office building. Or, mm-hmm. It's a, oh, I think they're yeah. architects. No, they're not. They're, they're um, mad men. Mad men? Yes, that's what I'm, yeah, like I said, I, I only saw like seven episodes. But, you know, where it's like, it's okay that you walk by and you... Hit somebody, on, hit a woman on the ass or whatever. You know that yeah. was accepted back then, through the seventies and kind of sort of in the eighties, and then it mm-hmm. kind of became not cool. But yeah, and again, not excusing it, but it was you know quote unquote different time. Now we look at that kind of thing, you know, in horror. And if that happened today, most likely that person would get a you know kick to the crotch. But. Uh, you know, the, well, that, I was telling, was I was telling Ken, I was like, when the Bill Cosby thing came out, I was saying, you know, you can look at his comedy that's on record, and he talks about yeah. Spanish Fly, and he's like, I don't want anyone to 
think that he's getting money or play or anything from that because it makes me sick. And I'm like, okay, I get it. But that's the thing. Like, in his comedy, he's kind of like, Spanish fly. It makes a girl all sexy and blah, blah. No, it doesn't. It makes a girl pass out. Right. And when it came out, my first thought was, oh, no, not Bill Cosby, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I was like, my, and then every story was the same in, in some way. And every, sto- you know, and, you know, all these people were coming out. It was so horrible. And I, mm-hmm. all I could think of was, uh, that just destroyed like my 80s. That was, it wouldn't matter what the hell I was doing. I was, you know, I had to be home to watch the Bill Cosby Gosh, show. Really? Because I, yes. I didn't like the Cosby show when it was on because I was like, these are just total yuppies anyway. Well, I loved oh. Lisa Bonet. And yeah, then she, she was adorable. She had her own show after that, which was pretty cute. Yeah, and then she married Lenny Kravitz, and I'm like, oh my god, he's on my list. We should, ah. we should do a show about the list, I'm just saying. Anyway. <laughs> the list. Anyway, Zoe Kravitz is on the cover of Glamour. Oh, Their child is 29. Their child is 29. Yeah. How, How did that happen? How old what? am I? That is not possible. <laughs> How fucking old am I? And by it the way, happens. I know I'm a little bit of a cougar because, what is he, 16? I don't know. How old is Lenny Kravitz? I don't even know. Lenny I'll have Kravitz? i look that up. Oh, I don't Yeah, know. he's not very old. I mean, okay. he's older compared- than us. Is he older than us? Yeah, I think he is. Let me take a look because I think that's wrong. Let me see. Lenny. Anyway, Kravitz. we're we're Len- Lenny Kravitz. We're getting off topic. We were going <laughs> to talk about Prince, right? Yes. Okay, so I'm I've got these misheard Prince lyrics according to Prince. You ready? Here 53. he goes. Okay, sorry. Go All right, here he goes. Um, who who gave you the lyrics? So, I've seen some really strange rewrites of my yeah. stuff. Well, I've I- seen one time they uh, said. Uh, the lyrics to When Doves Cry was uh, Dig if you will the picture of me, Marvin Gaye, and the kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and know there, what? And then there was another one. <coughs> this person will go unnamed. Yes. Uh, she didn't speak the English language too good. Right. Uh, she had a really cute daughter, so that's why we was acquaintances. Yeah. <laughs> but... She swore up and down, Little Red Corvette was pay the rent, collect. (laughs) So, that's Prince talking about people mishearing his lyrics. Pay the rent, collect. (laughs) Seriously, that's fun stuff, right? Hilarious. Hold me closer, Tony Danza. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of those Prince like interviews that I was listening to were fun, but the audio was awful and I couldn't even record it because it was so staticky and awful. So, Great. no go. But a lot of it's funny. Yeah, so. yeah he, he's got a very good sense of humor. He is uh, more self-deprecating than people believe oh, yeah. he is or was. It's was. really hard for me to it's say was, by yeah. the way, just so you know. Um so yeah I, just so you know too i've been a huge fan since 1980 mm-hmm. he, he was my first risque album and when i say album i mean on a turntable anybody listening that's younger a turntable is what you play a record on it looks like a <laughs> cd that had a little bit too much for dinner today and <laughs> really is big has some junk in the trunk so and you <laughs> play it and you can watch it spin 
Um, and it's, yeah, so there's this little little uh, needle that goes on it, and it plays the ridges kind of like your CD does in your, in you know, Noel did in your CD player. Now and if who, you were good, you could put it right on the song you wanted. You could just yes. drop it on the song you wanted. Right, I, exactly. I and if it so skipped, listen- you could tape a penny on it so it yes. wouldn't skip. <laughs> yes. And I would listen in secret because he, so I'd be in my room with it really low because there were some um, lyrics that were probably not lyrics that I would want my mother to hear when she would Mm. walk by my door. Um, So, you know, Dirty Mind, Controversy, those albums is what I started with. Um, Then 1999 and I progressed. Um, Yeah. He was also a very spiritual person in a lot of ways. Well, he was, he when he died, at least from what I've understood, he still was a Jehovah's Witness. So in yeah. Chanhassen, where he lived, which is where uh, Paisley Park is, he would he would go to people's houses to oh. talk to them about, give them the watchtower and talk to them about their about um, the Jehovah's Witness. Oh religion. my gosh! Wouldn't you love yeah. that? <laughs> and if he came yeah, to your so house. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be like, okay, I'm an atheist, but come on in. <laughs> so, but yeah, so he did that. He was very, um, he was, he, community was very important to him. So just to paint a picture, Chanhassen is a outer ring suburb of Minneapolis. It's one of what you would call a bedroom community. So it's sure. typically mostly houses and the houses uh, so it's a more richy rich suburb. It's always been richy rich. He used to, when he first moved to Chanhassen, he lived in a purple ranch home. I've seen it in person. He had a gate. Mm-hmm. I left. I left a little gift. This is a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he when he what moved, was your gift? He, what did you leave? God, what did I leave? I can't. Oh, a purple scarf that my friend had Aww. knitted for him because I couldn't knit. So I left him a purple scarf. Um, Because it was going to be cold, so I left a little gift. So, um, I know, goofy as hell, but whatever. Um, You need to learn how to knit. That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) I have no talent. (laughs) All right, well, hold on. I'm going to give a quick Prince quote, 12 seconds. Ego is one thing and money is one thing, but um, reverence for life and service to others is the key to getting off this planet known for his mysteriousness the reclusive prince so yeah he did believe in in um helping others so when he died and it's something that a lot of people don't know he was he was very philanthropic so he gave uh a lot of money to groups and he he was one of the people who really um created yes we code i'm sure everybody's or most people might be familiar with that mm-hmm. it's an organization that gives underprivileged kids um like a leg up in the tech industry so you lo- learn how to code and that kind of thing mm-hmm. um uh, so he helped finance that he helped create that he was one of the creators. Nobody knew about that until after. Um, he did. Uh, he he was the, the the monetary backer of Green for All, which is an advocacy group that puts solar panels on homes in like Oakland, mm. California. He paid for them. Um, 
he also has his own charity that was it's called love for one another um and they do all kinds of all kinds of things in shelters schools um and every every place from like georgia to wisconsin to new york chicago and minneapolis um and he was he did a lot for the city of chanhassen it was because of him that there was parks there he spent all this Mm -hmm. money on those parks and trails and if you ever get to paisley park it's very it's where it is there's a lot of trails on the on the one side there's a lot of parking spaces for his his for paisley but there's a lot of beautiful walking trails and there's parks and recreational areas back there too so he was not a bad neighbor and his mm-hmm. paisley park is actually right on a, a pretty busy pretty busy freeway and he's he was known for riding his bike around the neighborhood uh, and yeah, so he was that guy. He was, you know, they, everybody calls him reclusive, and he was. I mean, but as someone who's lived here in Minneapolis for over 30 years, I would see him out. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I go to one of his, the, the last store he went to was the Electric Fetus. It's a record store. It's mm. a great place in Minneapolis. It's a place I frequent. Um, Mm -hmm. so, and I frequent having nothing to do with prints. I frequent because they've got great shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, they have really cool stuff. So, uh, and that used to be where I would get my records back in the day. I know I'm dating myself. I got on my dinosaur to go. I, I too have a large record collection. Some of which were destroyed by a heater one winter by leaving my creative albums in the dorm. Yep. Oh, that sucks. But yeah, so... You know, he was reclusive to a point, but people would see him out. He would go out and, you know, he was, you know, he was, he's sorely missed. And, and when he, the week after he died, I went, we, I went to Paisley Park like two or three times to play. The, it was a madhouse. I mean, mm-hmm. mil, I, I would say, I don't know, thousands of people there. But um, I've, I've seen him in concert about a dozen times um, at, uh, I saw him at, um, First Avenue, which is the the venue that's in the movie Purple Rain. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, I just yeah, I am a complete Prince junkie, I guess you could say. <laughs> well, yeah, I was gonna. I was there is a one question I always wanted to ask him, and I'll never be able to ask him. So I thought I'd ask you, Heidi, because sure. you you're what I have. Um, so <laughs> because I can't ask Prince. But that was this lyric I'm going to play for you. And what I want to know is, what animal is it? Animals strike curious poses. They feel the heat, the heat between me and... So what are those animals? And how do they strike, how do they strike curious poses? And can you show me? How they're striking curious poses. Not not on the radio. I know it that doesn't was, make of course, doves cry. But yeah, mm-hmm. yes. I think it's deer. I think it's deer, and I think they're like you know. Just it should make sense because where his poses. where he lived at the time of the song mm-hmm. has a lot of wildlife around. Yes, I knew where he lived. Oh, I can tell you. Oh, you stalker! Yes. <laughs> Actually, I do know the. I I still know the address of his former residence. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and then I, then I I um I heard that his he burnt down he leveled one of the houses he lived in. 
That was the purple one. Yeah, so he that gave was. it to his dad. Yeah, so he gave it to his father, and then when his father died, he just... Oh, um, wow. He just got rid so of it. Th- yeah, and then there's a house that's the there's the house in the movie purple rain where he he lived with his father and his mom that's actually a house it's still there Mm -hmm. Uh, it's actually like i don't know 18 ish blocks from my work Mm -hmm. um and it's still there when after he died (laughs) people would go there and put flowers on the on the lawn Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is which is only funny because there, there are two people that live there at the time. I don't know who lives there now, but if there is, a, if it's the same people or not. But they were like, "It's really sweet," but he doesn't live here. <laughs> yeah, and I'm but allergic, they, but thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, uh, and they had tours here for a while that you could go around to all the Prince sites. We have artwork downtown Minneapolis that's on that people have put up. It's still there. There's some in Uptown. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I when it happened, I belonged to a lot of Prince groups. And so I was oh. helping people from out of town, telling them where to go, how to get where, mm-hmm. where to go to see, see venues, music venues where he went to. I was like the ambassador for like, I don't know, a dozen people. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. still sad. I still say, uh, I still have a... Um, April April's always sucked for me because I've mm-hmm. lost all I've lost my my grandfather died in April my um, uh, oh. brother-in-law died in April and Prince so it's like mm-hmm. every April now it's like and then my you know what happened with my husband's cousin last week but so it's yeah. it's just a sucky month but it's it's well, apropos I'm- if you listen to his songs a lot of them have to do with death and what happens yeah. after yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Like, I did have another, um, um, all right. Well, you remember when he died, did you, did you ever hear the, um, the Onion article that was published at the same time? It was basically like, it was basically a prince is dead. So everybody should just have sex because he's looking down from heaven at us and that's what he wants. And it's true. That's what he wants, you know, which I thought was funny. And it was like an Onion article. And they were like, people are dancing and blah, blah, blah. And he wants everybody to just go crazy and have sex and yeah, but it's true. But um, yeah, the um, in Let's Go Crazy, where they talk about the elevator. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. how they, like after that happened, like I'm, I'm going to play yeah, the... a little yeah, there's the, uh, a foreshadow. Yeah, but he died, you know, Rain, he died in an elevator, right? In the elevator in his home. Right? Did you hear yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. Yes, I did. So I think I I might want to try with my volume on that in the future, but <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, he's got a song called "Sometimes It Snows in April." Yeah, and it is very 
so after he died that was like if i heard that song because it was getting played mm-hmm. everywhere every every pop radio station or the more um middle of the road stuff here every station you play uh, was on every mm-hmm. music channel that on uh, satellite radio was playing his music and if i turn if if it was turned on and it was sometimes it snows in april i would literally just start to cry Oh. Because if you listen to the yeah. the lyric, and it's still I can hear it now, but it's one of those songs that is just it's so apropos with what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's if if you haven't heard the song, you know, listen to it. It's great. It's a beautiful song. I have to so look that up. definitely, yeah. So yeah, and and it's very apropos. But yeah, his, you know, a lot of his songs had a lot to do with sex. Um, you know. Pussy control. You gotta love that. You gotta love his, you know, irresistible bitch. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he's got a lot of good cream. I mean, you know, all this um, get off, jack you off. You know, he's you gotta love his songs. So, yeah. but a lot of his songs have a have a life and death um, undertone or or mm-hmm. lyrics about dying what happens after and that type of thing. He's always been spiritual. It was only at the end of his life that he became a Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, he was but a I don't, I, I don't sorry, think he planned. I don't think he planned for his death, no. though, right? No. Because no. he didn't think no. that, I, well, nobody expected him to die at that age. You know, he was pretty young mm-hmm. at 57, so that's the So shame. if you... If you ever watched him or saw him at a concert, and I've, I, mm-hmm. I've seen him in concert a dozen times or so, um, he moves around stage like a madman. He would flip, he would jump, he would do splits, he would, and after a while, that kind of takes a toll on your body. It's kind of like the idea of if you're a ballerina, by the time you're like 50, your knees hurt, and you know, you're a football player, your knees hurt, and or your mm-hmm. hips hurt. So he had a, he had, a hip replacement, uh, I think it was 2005, and it did not go well. It was there was problems. Hmm. So then he had another, but it, it's one of those things. That once you have a bad one, now they're trying to repair the damage to make it semi-normal. Yeah. So anything that happens after that, it's still going to be bad. So, um, he, you know, he had a cane for a while, and I mean it's. Uh, how active he was and how uh, he was a ve- he was a vegan at the end of his life he you know he was never somebody that you know he was at least i would say the last 20ish years of his life he was not the i'm going to have a you know a big giant pizza with this bong and a mm-hmm. scotch the size of my head that was never him um did he you know did he partake every once in a while Pro- you know most likely um but as far as any you know he, you know he wasn't steven tyler you know he was he wasn't that guy um well his, so, his heirs are, are suing walgreens and an illinois hospital over his death Right. And, right. Uh, you know, he was he was having fentanyl having related to do with those those and it injuries, was counterfeit. You know? Yeah, it's counterfeit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, pain. I, I know a lot of people that have pain issues and I know mm-hmm. a couple of people who have been addicted to opioids. Um, 
And so for me, my thought is I could not imagine that pain. But, you know, his his story is a lot like the Michael Jackson story. It's a lot mm-hmm. like the Amy Winehouse story. It's a lot like, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, Whitney Houston in, in maybe a different kind of realm uh, where people of us, you know, people that are famous like that, you know, just amazingly famous. Like he walks into a, you know, a grocery store and everybody knows who the hell he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly though, here we don't, we, we just, he's just like part of the, part of the, part of the neighborhood. So it's not that, Oh my God, you know, the screaming and that kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. more of the, there he is. He's there. He's here again. Look, he's over there. And it's like, he, he's not bothered. I mean, although he does a bot, he did a bodyguards of course, but mm-hmm. You know, I think it it becomes these people have a lot of money and they surround themselves with people that like them, care about them to a point. And then it's all about money because, you know, how are you going to be friends with who are you going to be friends with that are is at your level of genius, I guess you could say. Um, I mean, Mm -hmm. he was his. (sighs) I mean, he. He was a genius in very in many ways. He 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 played twenty seven instruments. He could you know, and uh, you know you would watch him on stage. Day, you know, and that, and that's right. the thing. Like another thing that people are talking about is he yeah, put absolutely. all his recordings that he didn't deem worthy into the vault, and which which I appreciate. But that's the thing. Like if you're friends with lots of musicians, and I've been over the years. It's good to kind of just record things, but if you're at a certain level of expertise, you really don't want that in falling into the hands of your relatives, you know? So he should have had something in his will to say, destroy these things in the vault. Because I can understand why someone would want to keep a vault of their music, because they might want to retool that it's theirs why not you know but that's the thing like it's just that is going to probably all come out and it's going to be kind of a mismatch of of a crazy quilt of stuff that's not to his standards which is a shame right you know but maybe it'll be wonderful i don't know so i mean if you hear you know he that was one of the things he did he would put it away he didn't like it and then maybe he'd take it back out again yeah. And he'd play with it a little bit more. He, or he, you know, he he would give his music to other other artists. Um, Manic Monday was his. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing Cares to You by sh- yeah. the horrible human Sinead O'Connor. Um, oh, God, horrible. <laughs> but anyway, but, um, so, pretty soon we're... Um, do you smell a break coming up? Yeah. yeah. So do you. So in the next seven minutes, we got a break coming yeah. up. So, I mean, he, I mean, I'm torn. As a fan, I want to hear everything. But, and I want to see everything. But mm-hmm. I don't want to be that guy that does, I don't want to be that, that fan that's like so rapidly want to know it all. And it wouldn't be something he would want to share. Yeah. So I'm torn in that I want to hear it for me. And then I think it's not about me, it's about him. So that's yeah. where I'm at. But that's um, the thing. Not, I'm not sure what's going to happen in the next couple of years. And I'm surprised some of that stuff isn't out already. But I right. know that his his heirs are already suing Walgreens. So things are going to eventually happen, you know. So right. that's why and another thing say, and for the second hour. Go ahead. 
No, oh no, you can say you can you can finish your thought. That's fine. Oh, I was just gonna set us up for the second hour, so go ahead and finish your thought. So I oh. Can... oh, I was gonna say, <clears throat> and I know that there's a lot of spec. You know, uh, the uh, sheriff's department last week said there was no foul play in his death, mm. which I'm not surprised. Right. I never, I never thought that there was. I always. <laughs> You know, you're in pain, you take too much. And in this case, it was um, counterfeit, which means that there's probably stuff in there that shouldn't be there. Um, and he had pain. You know, it wasn't like, he, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't like he was doing lines and lines of cocaine and had a heart attack. So that's different. Um, but I think, you know, I think in a lot of ways, the man was lonely. He didn't have a lot of people around him at that time. Um, he... I, now, I don't think that it was a suicide. I think that oh, he no, didn't have anybody no. around him to say, hey, you know what? We should probably take a look at this because this doesn't look real. This doesn't look like this is a good thing. Or say, hey, you need to stop. You need to get help because this is not the way to go. And I you know, I know, I realize that he was probably not the easiest person to speak to, you know, mm-hmm. you know, about stuff like that. But you have to push. You have to try. You have to get somebody in there that will talk to him in in, in his way and how he yeah. wants to be spoken to and get him help. But that, um, that's why I was going to say that um, it is, you know, his, his life and everything. But I really want to pull this into the second half, um, second 45 minutes to say I want to talk about the death positive movement. And, you know, in Prince's decision, he didn't have a extensive will stating you do this with this and you do this with this. So people are making decisions for him. So kind of the death positive movement is saying you need to make these decisions and put this stuff into writing so it's it's the way you want it, you know? Right. And, and so right. I'm just going to go and I'm going to play this clip real quick and it's um, Ask a Mortician. It's kind of popular on YouTube. Not too, too popular yet, but um, it's basically um, a mortician talking about... Um, the death positive movement. So let me just play that real quick. Kind of paradoxical because you think that to not fear death, the best thing to do would be to lock it up tight in the recesses of your mind where you also keep your pain, your sadness and your regret. You just lock it up in there and you're fine. You're fine. You're just so happy. Au contraire, mon frere. The best way to have less fear around dying is to think about what you want done with your dead body. Now, I don't mean logistically, like I got this price brochure from a local crematory, although that's important too. I mean, actually deeply meditating on the thought. Let's pick three popular death options. Conventional burial, an embalmed body in some sort of casket in an above ground crypt, cremation, and natural burial, just a shrouded body straight in the ground. When I think of the first kind of burial, chemicals injected into me, stuck in a cramped claustrophobic casket, my only thought is, no, let me out. I don't wanna, no, 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 no. When I think about cremation, I don't like fire slash heat all that much. I don't even like taking muffins out of the oven. Ironic, as I was a crematory operator. Then I think about natural burial. My body decomposing into the soil, bacteria eating me from the inside, bugs eating me from the outside, becoming a mess, losing control, body going out and into a million different directions. And for some reason, this thought brings me an incredible amount of comfort. So that's kind of a quick look at what they talk about with the death positive movement. So I'm hoping that we can chat a little bit about that. And I have some other... Um, 
clips. The woman that does the, um, her website is The Order of the Good Death, and it's by Caitlin Dotry. So, and uh, my friend is going to call in and talk, uh, Lisa, who cool. has like a <laughs> local group, and and it's 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 funny because it's like a lot of people I know, but um, they're kind of some are more interested. I don't know if they're as interested in making decisions and getting things down on paper. I know that there a lot of them are just they just kind of like to watch shows on serial killers and stuff like that, which is you know fine <laughs> too. But <laughs> like a couple of my buds, but you know it's just it's an interesting movement to me. So. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I mean, <clears throat> I think we we are all we most of us anyway come from a culture that death is scary and weird and um, you know it's the unknown and so it's 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 a little scary and frightening and and because we don't understand mm-hmm. it or, or it means the end. It's something we don't want to discuss and we don't want to talk about and it's you know and it's and I understand that completely. Um, but what happens? What happens after that? What mm-hmm. happens as far as you die, and then what? What happens with the people that are here? I mean, you know, and what happens to your finances? What happens to your body? What happens mm-hmm. to, you know, whatever? You know, especially if you don't have a will or you don't have a directive, or if you're, you know, you you know, do you need a DNR order? Do you you know what what are your thoughts about that as far as what happens? Do you want yourself kept alive for years as a, you know, yeah, you know, in a hospital bed, or are you okay with letting that go? So, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Well, I'm going to uh, put this on pause. We'll go to break, and we will talk about it when we get back. Resistor Sisters. Destroying the patriarchy one podcast at a time. You're listening to Resistor Sisters. Remember what De Beaufort wrote in Le Deuxième Sex? The concept of woman is a myth invented to oppress us. Man, you guys are so smart. Oops, I just called you guys guys. Sorry. And can I say man? Boy, this is hard. Now I said boy. Oh, brother, help me. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with Resistor Sisters. Hi, this is Tim Coramal from The Tim Coramal Show, and you are listening to IndieMediaWeekly.com. Extraterrestrial radio, all the power without the tower. Well, hello there. This is Kenny Pick. Thanks for listening to Indie Media Weekly. Be sure to check out my show, Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick, live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly. For those who dare. Hey, I'm Rick Beatty. And I'm Nick Sadler. And I am Jody Hamilton. We are from the bunker so we do a one hour weekly podcast we get to speak our mind about stuff from a liberal perspective we will be on indie media weekly saturdays at 5 p.m eastern we are so excited if you don't have any right-wing friends you'll feel at home with us from the bunker with jody hamilton nick sadler and richard Beatty on indie media weekly saturdays at 5 p.m eastern (laughs) 
This is Adam Hebert. On every episode of Mike Check Radio, me and my co-hosts are not only committed to telling you about the latest political news, but also about the latest nerd news as well. Whether it's the latest scientific discovery, the new season of anime, the ending of a cherished manga, or the latest in comics, television, or movies, my show is guaranteed to bring you something that will make your inner nerd go squee! So be sure to tune in to Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert live every Saturday night, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, only on Indie Media Weekly. IndieMediaWeekly.com. Extraterrestrial Radio, all the power without the tower. Get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. Listen to Paul's Memory Bank live every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly. Your DJ, Paul, will serve up a mix of classic rock, pop, and novelty music all tied together with a weekly theme. That's Paul's Memory Bank, every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, exclusively on Indie Media Weekly. Extraterrestrial Radio, all the power without the tower. Hey, this is Brad Friedman from bradblog.com and the Bradcast, heard right here on Indie Media Weekly. Thanks for supporting truly independent media right here on Indie Media Weekly. Light out, everybody. Every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern, Indie Media Weekly presents the Sci-Fi Double Feature with two old-time radio shows from the science fiction and horror genre. The Sci-Fi Double Feature every Sunday and Monday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern right here on Indie Media Weekly. <laughs> this is Indie Media Weekly, extraterrestrial radio, all the power without the tower. Resistor Sisters. Destroying the patriarchy one podcast at a time. That's right. This is Susan in Cleveland. I was busy destroying the patriarchy on the break. Rain has been destroying the patriarchy everywhere in DC. That's where she's been. She's just been out there just destroying it. (laughs) Also, (laughs) hi, I'm sorry to be back. Yay, we missed you. Yeah. Love you guys. You're doing important stuff. Oh, love you too. And Heidi, also trying to destroy the patriarchy every time she gets a chance, just hacking away at it. Yeah. With my my, uh, wood chipper. That doesn't really (laughs) hack, though. It's more of a grinding, a grinding away at the patriarchy. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. (laughs) (laughs) So we have a guest speaker, Lisa. From Hello. my neck of words, Woods from Cleveland, come to uh, talk to us about death positivity and that it can be positive. Hi, Hi Lisa. Hello. It's really Thanks nice for to having you. you. Thank yeah. you so much for having me on here. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, I've got I've got some drops um, about it if we want to um, uh, help along the conversation. But it's it's not yeah, an easy conversation to have. It's not an easy conversation to have. But um I've been looking into death positivity and things about um the one speaker, Caitlin. 
Doty. I'm probably not mm-hmm. saying her name right. Caitlin Doty. Okay. Mm-hmm. Doty. And mm-hmm. um, she talks about um, the her website, Order of the Good Death, and the different goals they have. So I'm just going to play that real quick. So here are three ways that the Order wants to continue building our death-positive community this year. One, the death-positive hashtag. So you've found the movement and now you're an ambassador for it. I mean, I'm not saying that you're like responsible for changing how a society sees death, but <laughs> by using the hashtag in your Twitter bio or in things that you post on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, you can find other people that want to talk about movies, books, celebrity death, gerbil death, your father's death, why embalming makes you feel a little squiggy, etc. Two. For longer conversations, including professional and emotional advice, we've created a subreddit, Death Positive. Some of you may already be Reddit junkies, and some of you may have only heard of Reddit as a dark place, which some of it is. But we're committed to make sure our board is a place of safe and sane discussion. We'll also be hosting AMAs, public Q&As, with me, other order members, cool professionals like coroners and funeral directors, this taxidermy deer head. You're gonna be amazing. Three. <laughs> Last but not least, over the years many of you have said that you want to be part of the order. And while we wish we could put everyone's name on the website, every person who believes in what we're doing, that's just not possible. Or is it? At orderofthegooddeath.com, link below, we've laid out the core tenets of what we stand for. If you're someone who A, agrees with us, and B, has any desire to be associated with us, sign your name and it will be chiseled into the interweb forever. So that's kind of her her different goals for the death positive. Caitlin movement. is awesome. It's it's really hard to get a vibe on on who she is just you know listening to it. But you you really need to check out her videos. She is a character. She's kind of like this Betty Page kind of pinup yeah. girl kind of look <laughs> to her. She's she's very dynamic and fun. Yeah, and she's really yeah. She seems. I think she's funny. So. I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's good so what to does, talk about it and think about it, you know? What does, so what, what is the um, hope as far as what, what to accomplish for, for people to not look at death as something frightening and scary and, um, you know, that type of thing? Or is it, is it just deeper than that? Is it deeper as far as, you know, you, you will die someday and this is what you need to remember so those people that are left behind aren't scrambling to find your will or mm-hmm. scrambling to figure out the, the the code, you know, the or the you know, the the password to your Facebook page. <laughs> uh, right. you, know, that, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, it's it's um, all encompassing really. In the United States we've um, really hid away everything that has to do with death um and it's made it more difficult over time for you know the generations to to accept what happens um it's not just a part of life anymore this you know we try to um prolong life obviously through you know medical means but you know even when somebody passes away the body goes away and we don't see it again until it's all prepared and ready for us to look at at the funeral home and Mm -hmm. it 
it wasn't always that way. Um, this is something that's relatively new, and uh, we need to really get back to taking care of our own dead um, because it's it's part of the whole experience, and I think that it's valuable. Yeah, and when I was watching her videos, she was saying that that's fine. That's not illegal. See, I was under the impression that there were laws to say that you couldn't have a wake in your own home and things like that. So I'm interested in the legal ramifications too, which I know you probably don't haven't researched. Well, they yet. used to back in yeah. back in Victorian times, the body would be sitting in the parlor for mm-hmm. like a week or two, and people would you know because. You know, those relatives aren't, you know, can't get into their Chevy pickup truck and come drive to the funeral home. Hop on a plane. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're like, you know, 400 miles away and you don't, you know, you have to get your horses together and get, you know, like Little House in the Prairie. And then you, you know, Mm -hmm. drive 15 miles or the, you know, the the horse walks 15 miles a day or whatever it is. (laughs) So the, but that body is sitting there in the, in the parlor and depending on your beliefs either somebody's always with the body um or it's shrouded or something to that effect um yeah it's perfectly safe to care for uh, a dead body in your home um and that can be done over uh, a few days legally before Mm -hmm. they they have to take it away so you know it's really just what what you choose to do what um, what your family decides that they can handle. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's just something kind of new for our generation to even think about that. But, you know, in past generations, it was just commonplace. So, you know, there's, there's that, and there's just the, uh, preparing, uh, the proper paperwork so that things get done the way you want them to be done. Um, things to think about, like, hospice care whether you you know want to go into hospice or whether mm-hmm. you want to be you know taking care of it at a hospital in a nursing home i mean there's uh so many things to consider and the longer we put off thinking about these things the harder it's going to be when the time comes when you need it yeah and i've got a, f- a friend that's um, an accountant and she was talking about Let's get our living wills together. Let's just do this. And I'm like, yeah, this this would make me feel better to know that that was taken care of, you know? And yeah, for sure. My parents, um, they gave me such a gift many years ago. My mom presented me with an envelope, and in the envelope was her advanced directives mm-hmm. packet. Um, you know, so the, the living will and uh, she has a DNR, um, the health care power of attorney. So, you know, all the paperwork is already in place. And I really don't have to worry about, well, what would mom want, you know, in this case? Um, you know, she's unresponsive. What do I do? Mm-hmm. You know, should I should I do this or should I do that? It's already spelled out. She's already told me. So all I have to do is look at the paperwork. So it's really comforting to know that I don't have to worry about these things. You know, my, my mother died last month. And one of the, Mm. one of the issues, you know, one of the issues was that my mother and I had talked about 
you know, what happens at this point in life, you know, when you, so she died, she had dementia, Alzheimer's, that type of thing. So that's, that's how, that's what the underlying cause was. Um, but so for my mother, she'd always told me, you know what, when the time comes, I don't want anything. I don't want, just let me go. I don't want anything special. Just put me wherever and I will go. And that's what I want. I don't want any, anything else. My father, on the other hand, is of the idea that you don't do that. You just, you have to keep people alive because you never know if there's going to be something that'll bring them back. Um, and so we fought I mean, and when I say fought, I don't mean physically fought or sure. or in an, in a bad way, but we gently fought this, and and so did the because because they're elderly, the county has to get involved, and I don't mean that in a somebody's getting taken away kind of way, but mm-hmm. because that's just the way it is in in the state is you know to you know we talk you they talk to him, they talk to us, and that kind of thing, but <clears throat> he was he did not want that to happen he wanted he did not want to sign a dnr um it's like she's not coming back she hasn't been herself for years i know that's difficult i know you've been a you know they were married over 60 years you Mm -hmm. know kind of like with barbara bush who just died last week it's kind of the same idea you've been with this person that long it's really difficult to say goodbye but there's a lot of stress on everyone else at that time because it's you know, the if if she'd stopped breathing and the DNR was not in place, the very act of attempting to bring her back would have broken all of her ribs. Oh, wow. Because she's eighty three. Yeah. I mean, imagine you have frail relatives, or most people do. I'm mm-hmm. sure. Imagine doing CPR, and you've seen CPR on TV or maybe in person. That is not a gentle thing to do. It's going to break all their ribs. All their ribs are going to be broken and going to be in pain. But if there had been a directive, that would not have that would not have happened. And luckily, that we never got to that point. But it's it's you know. So for months we were stressed. Um, and unnecessarily so. And I can't blame my father. I mean, I would probably push back maybe a little myself. But yeah, it's there's... definitely hard to let somebody go. I right. It's not an easy thing at all. Right. So, you know, this is why we need to to talk about these things and to and to really just open up that discussion ahead of time because the you know, the longer that you wait, the more emotionally charged it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my my kids already know what to do with me. Um, you know, I'm so so. This is kind of how I've come into the death positive movement. I will be fifty in July, and I have five kids, and three grands, and one on the way. And um, it's time for me to step into the shoes that my parents were in when they presented me with, mm-hmm. you know, the paperwork. I need to start thinking about, you know, giving that gift to my children so that they don't have to worry what to do uh, when the time comes. So um, it's it's just I just can't stress it enough. It's really important. I have some statistics that you know are just kind of mind-boggling about um, just having this discussion. Ninety percent of people say that talking with their loved ones about the end of life is important, but only twenty-seven percent have done oh, so. Wow. Eighty percent of wow. people's 
Yeah, only 27% of people say that. Um, 80% of people say that if they were seriously ill, they would want to talk to their doctor about their wishes, but only 7% have done so. Mm-hmm. So your doctor doesn't know what to do with you. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you're unresponsive, your doctor has no clue what your wishes, what your wishes are. Right. Yeah, that um, was like my friend that died unex- unexpectedly. We talked about how we she'd like to be cremated, but she didn't talk to her mother about that. So her mother had her fully embalmed. You know, but I'm sorry, I didn't. Yeah. I inter- interrupted your uh, the cystic no, sex was the next one. Sixty <laughs> um, percent of people say that making sure their family isn't burdened by tough decisions is extremely important, but only fifty fifty six percent have not communicated their end-of-life wishes. So it's roughly half either way, um, saying that it's important, but only about half have done so. Right. Um, So, yeah. uh, Another one, 82% of people say it's important to put their wishes in writing, but only 23% have actually done it. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, while, you know, I don't want it to seem like you have to like sit down with a lawyer and uh, do the whole last will and testament kind of thing. Even just simply having a conversation could be enough to make things easier. Yes, I was just going to ask you about that. About, you know, the will and the testament and all that other stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but I'm really going into my <laughs> my deep my deep voice but uh because yeah i wasn't i wasn't around last week because i had a cold but um yeah my husband and i have talked about this we have both told each other we don't want to be buried we want to be cremated Mm -hmm. and we have not gotten around to a will but i really like what you're saying in that it should not be about a will am i am i misunderstanding misunderstanding that no um the the last will and testament is really um something that if if you have a lot of assets you're going to want to you know look at the last will and testament you're going to want to talk with an attorney and get that sorted out um me for me and a lot of the people that i know we just don't have a lot that would need to be dispersed so, yeah, um, you know, too. we don't have companies that we need to figure out what to do with or anything like that. So, so really um, <clears throat> having a simple conversation with your next of kin and to go along with that, a lot of people don't realize who their next of kin is. Mm, um, yes, yes. <laughs> it's kind of um, interesting how the, uh, the state looks at your next of kin. Like, I didn't realize that at this point in my life, my parents aren't my next of kin. When mm. I looked at the, when I looked at the list of how this goes down, my, uh, my children are my next of kin. Oh, right. And, uh, I have some very supportive children and, and I trust them, but it just didn't occur to me that with my parents being alive, that, it wouldn't be my mom or my dad. It would be my kids. So, right. you know, I'm glad that I've had that conversation with them. That's interesting. Like, it's more like they're more affected by it, I guess, since you're an adult. And 
that's that's strange to me but i guess if you it's don't because know, that's you your are. that's who's going to be most directly affected by your death yeah in a li- life day-to-day kind of kind of situation that's why it's it's bel- it's the the people under you in age group mm-hmm. versus the people above you in age group. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I was going to talk about about this, just to let everybody know, I've spent a, a twenty almost twenty two years in the financial in uh, working at a financial institution, um, and one thing that people should understand is the last will and testament is only between you and your heirs or. Or you and whoever charities you're dealing with, it is not with your finance financial institution. So let me under, let me explain what I mean by that. Hmm. So if in in your will it says um, that Susan gets all the money that I have in my savings account, yay! Okay. Oh no, Susan sorry. cannot come into <laughs> my bank. Yay. And say, hey, the will says I get all her money in that in that account. They're going to say, that's lovely. You're not getting it because your name's not on the account. Mm. So that's one thing that people should understand that your bank, your financial institution will give you blowback. The, the will itself is only between you and your heirs. And that's it. So, you know, in the last will and testament, blah, 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 um, you cannot, you know, it, it goes through the attorney who goes through the bank. You can't just walk into the bank. Also, don't um, they legalize it, it and like get the death certificate right. to the bank and blah, blah, blah. The other thing that people should know too blah, blah, blah. is <laughs> blah, blah, blah. if you have <laughs> a, a relative, term, sorry, <laughs> and it, it could be you, it could be a relative. And you have money that is going to need to be dispersed after your death. And it is a, it's a substantial sum. And substantial sum could be different between people. What you should do is you should put it in a trust. Mm-hmm. And, here, and so here's what I mean by that. So person A dies and it's this, their, their trust. You are a trustee on that account. You have an account already set up. So everything that you're paying... For that person, so you're paying their bills, you're paying for their funeral arrangements, you're paying for, you know, if they wanted their ashes to be flown to Hawaii, that's what you're paying for, but you're paying for it out of that account. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is any monies that go into that account, you're not paying, t- you, the trustee, you're not paying taxes on it, it goes through the account, through that account. You, as the trustee, are not having a tax burden. Um which has happened where people run things through their own account that has their name, their, their relative's name on it. And then it comes to the end of the year and they're like, well, all this money is sitting in there. We're going to talk about that. Um, Oh, by the way, you have a hundred thousand dollars in your account. Guess what? You have to pay taxes on that. So you don't Mm. want to, you don't want to be that person that happens to a lot of people. Um, They don't understand that you set you should set that up, and you can easily set up a trust account for an elderly relative. But I can't Um, settle a trust account for my cat, right? No, I can't. Um, You he's really not going to understand any of that. If your cat, if your cat (laughs) make an income, if your cat made an income, your cat could have a trust. They never do. They never do, and they won't get freeloaders. Yeah, (laughs) so if they make an income, yes, you can have an account for them. If they yeah, so it would be, you know, fluffy that's why, ink or what? Actually, that's why I was going to set up my cat for 
uh, the American Cat Association of Cats. <laughs> and then my cat would like be self-employed and maybe I can get a little cheese for him. So, okay. You got I got to play now. All right. But yes, yeah, as, as far as the financial the financial part of it, talk to a financial specialist, yeah. or, you know, some sort of financial specialist about that. It, and you can do it now. Um, you don't have to wait till you're 80 and in poor health or something. You can do it I now. I just want all my point. nieces and nephews to take care. If they take care of my cats, I'll give them some money. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. that's it. Like, you got to take care of the cat, you know? Like, it, but isn't this the, like, every <laughs> Scooby-Doo episode ever? But like, then you, where you, the crazy you person, like, world. puts, gives yeah. all their money to their cat. Or, well, it's the Aristocrats. <laughs> yeah. I watched the Aristocats the other day. Wait. Yeah, That's so you the have whole to put thing that in your will risk. that yeah. you want, you know, Rain to watch your cats after you die. And yeah. then you typically would would compensate her and explain what that means. Rain well, cannot for me. Yeah, Rain cannot bring them to the <laughs> you, main You're society. suddenly becoming a cat yeah, person. She, yeah. <laughs> and I, here's, I am a semi cat person. Oh. Yeah, so that? I, one of my one of my one of my friends had was um, given know. a cat in a will and five thousand dollars. So the cat's like seven years old. The five thousand is for the rest of his life to take Good care of his medical medical care. Good. <laughs> and it's in an account specifically for the cat. Like so, literally, you can't. No, wait touch a second. That. Are you saying as a banker that I could open a a bank account in my cat's name? Only if your cat is making money. So you could be Fluffy Inc. But Fluffy you, Fluffy the, can't have like a social security number. So how is he going to no, have a business? No, no. But but Fluffy Inc. or trustee for you know Fluffy Von Clownstick, you could have a an account for them because that cat is like in pictures. Like it's a, in nice. you know it's like uh, Moose was in Frasier, mm -hmm. and so that that dog in Frasier had probably had his own accounts. And hmm. so that would be how it would work. The cat himself cannot go in and take and get money out. He has a trustee or an executor and oh, you would so be cute. such a person. Yes. Okay. So we, you. we got a little <laughs> off topic, Lisa. Oh. Sorry. But, you <laughs> know. Lisa. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> She's like, what am I doing talking to these crazy people? Oh my goodness. It, but the, the even thing have is, a cat. you know, people will ask these questions, and people yeah. are like, "What about me? And what about this?" And dogs and cats are usually a big thing for people, you know. So, yeah. well, apparently, um, in the death positive movement, death salons have been very popular, and they have talks like these, and it's standing room only, and it's very death salons like somebody yeah, gets to do my hair in Boston. The way, yeah. What define? Can you define death salon better than me? I'm not sure um, exactly what they're doing well, except having talks. Yeah, yeah. I, I've never been to one, uh, but my uh, my idea of what it is that it's it's kind of like a convention. Oh, so there's okay. different speakers, there's mm -hmm. different activities, uh, presentations, and things like that. So um, there's one in Boston this year. I didn't have it pulled up. But um, you can check that out. Uh, one thing I wanted to point you to is a website called theconversationproject.org. Mm -hmm. It's a great place to start. 
there are forms and uh, resources uh, for you to look at just to help you get this conversation going with your with your loved ones. Um, it's a, a great little website. Um, cool. April 16th, a uh, day after tax day is called National Healthcare Decisions Day. And um, it's a day where all across the United States, um, different hospitals, um, healthcare centers, individuals, groups, um, all focus on healthcare decisions. So patients are being asked to make their healthcare decisions um, and they provide the resources to, to make that happen. So uh, April 16th, um, there's actually a whole week where they have different events and um, topics for the day on uh, how to make those healthcare decisions. So, yeah, and they, they said, um, so I'm looking at the conversationproject.com, yeah. and they have starter uh, kits. Org. Dot org. Yeah. I'm sorry. Dot com. Mm-hmm. You're right. Dot org. And they have starter kits. So how to choose a healthcare proxy, how to talk to your doctor. That's cool. It's interesting. Yeah. Loved ones um, of people with Alzheimer's, dementia. Yeah. So that's a lot of good information. And one document that I feel is really important that I haven't seen on a uh, a lot of these websites. It was presented to me by a funeral home director. It's called um, an appointment of representative for disposition of bodily remains, funeral arrangements, and burial or cremation goods and services. So what -hmm. you're doing is you're appointing someone to take care of you after you pass away. So you need to appoint a representative for disposition um, if your next of kin isn't supportive or, you know, you just don't think that they can handle that kind of decision, you need to appoint a specific person. So this form will, it's a legal document where someone who is not your next of kin can make mm-hmm. those decisions. So um, I think it's, it's just a gem especially for people in the LGBT community who may not have supportive family. Uh, They need to look up this form and get it filled out so that someone other than their next of kin can take care of them. Yeah, because that's that's a tough situation, whereas... um, Well, no, isn't... See, if, if, if people aren't married, like, they definitely want, you know, their girlfriend versus their father or mother to make their decisions for them if that's better for them you know if that's better for them but yeah ohio doesn't Um, is is ohio um i've been to gay weddings in in cleveland but Mm -hmm. is it approved in in ohio legally i'm not even sure this is so sad i i do have um gay friends who are married Mm -hmm. and at this point, I am unsure of where all of that stands because yeah. things are, seem just so topsy-turvy anymore. Um, but, you know, really, the it's um, your your spouse would be your next of kin. So if, yeah. if you're married, then that's your next of kin. 
But if you just have a, a partner um, or if you're single and you know that your next of kin, let's say you're transgender and your next of kin would definitely um, place you in the casket in clothes that are opposite mm. of your your gender, that would be a, a problem. And sure. you should you should have this form filled out because you know otherwise, um, you know it's it's just gonna going to be a tragedy really yeah yeah and that, that's really you know that that's that's not the death you want so that is not the good death no yeah <clears throat> so that's that's good to have things filled out like that because you know that's that's what happened to my friend like maybe 10 20 years ago her mother made all their decisions for her because even though she was an attorney she didn't fill these forms out because she was not she had an unexpected death you know yeah yeah and one thing a lot of people don't understand is it's or might not realize is um funerals are crazy expensive with the uh, with just i mean just you know the the um you know, processing the body and putting it into a coffin and what that means when you're putting people in the ground and what you have to, even at the cheapest level, it's still thousands of dollars. Yeah, like mm-hmm. $6,000, $7,000. And even if you go to, you know, a, a natural burial, those can also be expensive. Uh, you're looking at $3,200. Mm. Uh, there's a place... Uh, called Foxfield Preserve. Yep. Down in Wilmot, Wilmot, Stark Ohio. County, Stark County. So, yeah. South of here. Um, so $3,200 for none of the embalming, none of the fancy caskets or anything. They're just bringing your body out to um, the preserve. Is it a body farm? Putting, Is, no, it's, no, it's not a body farm. Okay. It's not a body farm. It's a That's green, different. it's a green funeral. Like, if you guys did, you guys ever watch um, Six Feet Under? Yes, I did. Okay, yes. so basically, it, oh, this is bad. I'm gonna just say that one of the characters wanted a green death, and um, basically they just had the shroud and they put him in the ground, and um, mm-hmm. it's it's a natural right. preserve. Like this place is called Foxfield Preserve, so it's not really like after we watched that ken was researching it and he found out about foxfield preserve and I went he's there. interested it's, it's in a, it's a nice is it place. is it beautiful yeah, it it's it, we went there in the um but it's not well, like a cemetery a really it's ago. more of like no, a na- nature preserve yeah yeah it's just like fields you don't really recognize that it's um that people are buried there because everything is kept as natural as possible um so, you know, there's no, um, the, the monuments uh, are level to the ground. Oh, so they don't okay. Have so there are monuments. Up. That's cool. Uh, it's just basically like a, a little slate of rock with, you know, that can be engraved with the name and date and everything. But mm-hmm. um, there's nothing that, that sticks up out of the ground and says, this is a cemetery. There's no, yeah. you know, grand monuments or anything. It's just grass and trees and nature mm-hmm. that's why it's called a preserve but um 
but you yeah, couldn't it's, be it's definitely you couldn't be buried time. in a green funeral in a regular cemetery, right? You would have to be embalmed to be put into another into like that's normally yeah yeah I, I think yeah. they all have they have certain laws for yeah mm-hmm. you don't have to be embalmed yeah for the but for this you, one you do have to um, as a matter of fact if you're embalmed you can't go to Foxfield um, mm, yeah but conversely. You don't have to be embalmed to be buried in a regular cemetery. Hmm. They just want you to be buried in the casket. In the casket, with, okay. You know, yeah. There are um, there are different cultures that don't do or or cultures or religious beliefs that don't like the or don't want embalming. Mm-hmm. Um, it's totally unnecessary. I just right. It's, yeah. In in this day and age, it's just not necessary. The whole embalming thing started. Um, I'm really bad with history, but it it started during one of the wars. Is it the Civil mm-hmm. War? Or was we'll it say the Civil. Good. I'm not sure. Um, <clears throat> but uh, they they had to put uh, the soldiers' bodies on trains and ship them across the United States to be with their families. Mm. So they needed to preserve those bodies somehow so that they were still in a in a good state for viewing once they arrived home but that's just not necessary anymore and um, we really should move away from using all of those chemicals and putting the chemicals in the ground and Mm -hmm. um, just kind of go back to you know the the natural form of burial yeah now that we have jets and refrigeration and things yeah refrigeration is an amazing thing (laughs) <laughs> we they didn't have that in you know during the civil war what is that like 1865 i'm thinking off the Eight, top early of 1860s yeah, yeah. Early 1860s so they didn't have refrigeration they needed formaldehyde so it's good that things so are the, changing that's what i'm excited about change you know yeah the uh the funeral industry has uh really taken over and and claimed our dead and uh, kind of made us feel like we don't have a lot of um, a lot of choices, a lot of options. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tell us that you have to do the embalming, and that's not true. Um, so, and that's why it, I was we excited. We just need to take it back about the death the death positivity because I didn't think that people were not allowed to be involved, and it just it does creep me out a little bit, you know. The whole idea of it. I know that my mother and my father did it, and not my grandparents, and every basically my family. But it just—it's kind of weird. It kind of wears me out a little bit, you know, that we have to like yeah. put all these chemicals into our bodies. So, yeah. So anyway. I was—I was going to tell a, a, a little a short story. My my dad is actually on the and has been for like thirty years on the um, cemetery board at his church back home. Oh, okay. And. In the early um, 20th century, there was a lot of, you know, so there was a lot of people who died of things like, you know, so swaths of people that died of like scarlet fever or, you know, measles and that type of thing. Well, because, and, and there's some black plague, I think at the end of the 1800s in there somewhere. Anyway, they didn't embalm any of those people. They just literally were like, oh shit, they're they're contagious we need them in the ground as soon as possible mm-hmm. um for some of them so there's some that are in our fam- my 
family cemetery um, that don't even have, they have like literally like a pine box that somebody made that day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so they don't have anything. They're not embalmed at all. Um because their their thought was that they needed to get them in the ground as soon as possible because they were contagious. Yeah. Um, and so that's there. There was a time when nobody was embalmed, is at least if you died of those types of um, reasons. Um, so there's lines and lines of graves, and it's not a very big cemetery where those people and those people are not in a casket they're either and some of them are just in shrouds they're not in an actual box Mm because it was the whole family there's six or seven died at a time they shrouded them they threw them in a a hole and and i'm not trying to be graphic but that's basically what they did and then their houses burned down because it was contagious or that's what they did back then um gotta do what you gotta do right (laughs) So, I, I mean, I find this this topic fascinating be- only because I, 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 I think I probably, I used to be a little bit of a goth, so I don't, maybe have a little bit different view of death Aww, than most people. That's okay. Um, but I, I used to hang out at, uh, at a, um, a cemetery in Uptown, most beautiful cemeteries where all our, like, people that were anything in Minnesota or buried. It's just amazing with the architecture and everything of the, um, of the headstones, just beautiful pieces of art mm-hmm. pretty much. But I don't, I find them peaceful, but I know that in a lot of cases, it's not that for a lot of people. Um, and I get that you're somebody you love dies, especially if it's unexpected, that's horrible. But the death itself or what happens around it should not be a cause for concern or um, anxiety. What ha- you know, mourning the person that died is different than dealing with the everyday basic, um, you know, the, the stuff that has to do with, with the actual dealing with the body and the what you do after yeah, and all should those. not be a horrible thing. Um, that person's legacy, that person's memory should be important, and that should be what you what you have to worry about, none of the rest of it. And when you're spending six, seven thousand dollars for a casket that is just literally in the ground, and the person who's in it is no longer of the living, so why does it matter? Mm, right. Yeah. There's no reason yeah. to spend that kind of money on a dead person. I mean, for crying out loud, you've you've spent all the money on the the hospital bills and and everything Mm -hmm. else that's associated with dying and now you're gonna put more money just literally into the ground and covering up with dirt um funerals don't have to be expensive as a matter of fact if um you go online you can find places that will uh, do a cremation um for very little money and Mm -hmm. um you know, you, you place the body in a, uh, basically a cardboard box and, uh, you know, send them on. And it, it doesn't have to be an expensive thing. Um, and a lot of people just don't know this because the funeral industry takes over and says, you have to do this. Your mother would love this. Doesn't yeah. she deserve that? Yeah. That, and it that's... doesn't have to be. 
I find you know, that to the, be one, somewhat abusive of the field. But and, you and know, we, we are at nine thirty, so we don't want to go too much yeah. over. But I was going to say that you know one of the things, and I've told my husband this, so it's that I I do want to be cremated, but I want part of my ashes to be with my my mom, my dad, and my brother because they're going to all be buried at the same place. But I also mm-hmm. want the ashes of all my pets that I've had. I have all my pets that I, I have their ashes and I want their ashes with me too. Um, they're sitting downstairs. I have a display. I know that for some people that's morbid. It's okay. Um, but I do. And I'd love to have them together with me forever. Although I realize that death is the end, but I like the idea. It makes it's a comforting thing to be together. Yeah, and it's comforting to think about it. That's nice, right? And part of part of my ashes, I want I don't know spread somewhere. I don't know, maybe I don't know someplace cool. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's many ideas. Send I, me I, on I, a I, trip, Heidi. I'll take you wherever you want to go. It, yeah, you know, like uh, off the Empire State <laughs> Building or. You know, throw legal, it in the though? face. I, I probably not. Uh, my, well, Dave, Dave wants a funeral pyre, so he wants you put There's the body. There's only one on place a- in the United States that does <gasps> that. It's in Colorado. Yeah, really, he you know his- that, so you can have a real Viking Dang. funeral. That's what he wants. <laughs> nice. Just ro- shroud him, set him on fire, and put him out. <laughs> yeah, one place in the whole United States for yeah. so pyre be- for a pyre, we- right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So be- before before we go, I just uh, I want people to think about um, the donor registry. Um, donate your organs if, oh, if that's yeah, something definitely. Um, that will definitely help with the the expenses because if you donate your body, they get to take care of it. So and then you can just have a nice service. You can just have a party afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something to consider. Um, Write down your wishes. Talk to your next of kin. Um, go to the BMV. Go to go online on to the BMV, and there is a next of kin form. Um, so if they if an officer pulls up your driver's license, if you've had an accident, um, they will be able to immediately see who to call. That's that's going to be really important. Um, Facebook has legacy settings so mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. you know set that up ahead of time so someone wow. can take care of your facebook um because it your, used to yeah it, huh? it used to be when when my cousin Je- where my my uh, brother-in-law Jesse died they couldn't get into his facebook page and it's there he, he, it's just there but you know, it would be nice to be able to do a memorial, you know, to do memorial stuff. But he had locked it down, and it's, so it's there's nothing that can be done now. Yeah. And and Facebook wouldn't let you go in there because you're not on there. Right. So yeah. I didn't I didn't like, know Facebook had legacy setting. That's fascinating to me. Yeah. I did it's not newer. Yeah. 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 Well. So and the uh, the advanced directives packet. Uh, it's found online. It's free. You can print it up at your library for free, or you can uh, order it online and have it mailed to you. Uh, that's going to have all of the important forms in it. Uh, this this can be all DIY stuff. You don't have to get an attorney for it. Just write it down. 
tell somebody yeah. about it. So that's cool. That's yeah, you, uh, and um, do you have any other final um, last words before we leave there, Rain? Are you hiding in the background there, Rain, with your mute on? She might have her mute on. <laughs> but I think, um, I think Lisa, you should uh, thank you for coming on and thank you for talking to us. Um, I think maybe um, the Facebook group in Cleveland should do a field trip to Fox Field Preserve. Yeah, you know, I, in the I spring, think that, that might be fun. Yeah, um, it, it was kind of a little bleak when I went a few months ago, you know, because mm -hmm. everything had kind of died. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm sure that it's really beautiful in the summer when everything's uh, yeah. I'm sure. Well, you know, all flowery and stuff. Yeah. In about in about it seems like um, spring has come a little later than usual, but I, in about a month is my favorite time of year. So I really, you know, it's it's great to have things. Things are going to be blooming and coming about. So, but. That's my final I agree. word. I'm ready for it. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate yeah. the opportunity. It's okay. a fascinating subject. Thank you for sharing all your knowledge. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Well, that's a bit. And I will play us out. Resistor Sisters. Destroying the patriarchy one podcast at a time.